Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It's been a while. And for me, it's been since probably last Saturday. We're used to doing about three podcasts a week. We're one this week just because of schedules and everything that's going on. It's Look, it, it's going to be a really good show today. We do have Corey from the Overtime Sports, Man- Sports Management Group that's going to be talking a little bit about kind of the agency side of things. And it, it'll be great to have him on in, in just a couple of minutes. But look, before then, it's... It's good to come back, talk bears. There's been OCA practices. There's been there's been loads of press conferences. There's been other things that have been going on around the press conferences. But look, Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm good, my man. I'm good. It's yeah. It feels like it's been ages since we had we had a chat and talking bears. So look, it's great to get back talking. Yeah, there's some some interesting stuff. Of of course, going to start with Justin getting his four year deal uh, in the last couple of hours. I think that's. That's a fantastic kind of move, and it just it just kind of solidifies everything. And now he's officially a bear, so there's not even a question mark or even a little mini percentage that could possibly go wrong. He's ours, and he's ours at least for the next four to five years. So look, it's it's brilliant. We're looking forward to him. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it's a it's an interesting one for anyone who hasn't heard that they agreed their four year deal. Look, these are all pretty much slotted, but in terms of the contract, it's, he earns eighteen million, which is eleven million in a signing bonus as well. It, look, it, it's an important thing to happen. The last thing we wanted is a kind of a Roquan Smith situation. Um, so that's that's one that I think it's good to have. Um, it's good to have Justin Fields kind of not waiting because that's what we didn't want to see. It's it's one of those that I think it's it's it was an important one to get done. Look, we have a, we have a really kind of interesting show it's one thing that we wanted to kind of do over the last while is to kind of be able to talk about kind of the agency side of things so we do have Corey. so i think he's here that he can join with us now hi Corey. how are you getting on today hey Corey, can you hear us oh we might have a bit of sound issue hello can you all hear me yeah, we can, yeah, hear, can you. We hear you. Okay, I can't hear y'all for some reason. That's that's why I'm, I can't hear the questions. Um, um, do, you, do you want to try and log out and log back in, Corey, and see if it works? Oh, yeah. Um, let's, let's type it. So... While you're doing that, yeah, like, do you want to talk about, about Justin Fields there, Anthony? Yeah, quick, quick chat about Justin. I think it's it's a big deal. It's it's like as you said, it's 89, $18.9 million dollars with eleven in the signing bonus. I think that that just leaves us just with 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 Jenkins to get done. And look, it's it's positive. We've all know how good this is, um, how important it is to get our draft class, how good our draft class was. And I think what's really interesting to me with with the OTAs, and I don't know, get your take on it, Kieran, as well, is is around Cole Komet. Seems to be just, I know I know he was one of the interviews, but there just seems to be a little bit more hype about Cole. And you I know it's something that whenever I whenever I hear talking about Cole, I hear you always saying that the tight ends it was never year one, it's always year two that you start judging tight ends. And I think there's a lot of stuff that'd be positive about um in Cole Komet. And I just it's, it's the one person that I, I'm looking forward to from last year's draft class, just to see how he kicks on again. I think it, it's a it's a really important part of it. Uh, what do you think of, of Cole Komet? What's your thoughts? You even from the interview, what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think he he comes across I think more confident this year, yeah. which is which is definitely important for a second year player. And I think that's a it's a good run. Look, I th- I think we have Corey back, so let's see if he can hear us. Um, hopefully we are good. Perfect, that's great, Corey. Yes, it's it's yes. great to have you on. The, 
it's great to have you on the show, Corey. It's it's something that we've always wanted to do to kind of see what it's like from the other side of things. Because everybody talks about it from the football player and the team's perspective. And it's it's good to have you on to kind of be able to talk about the other side of things. I guess before we get into that, kind of where did kind of your kind of company begin and when did it kind of start for you? Yeah, so, you know, I was born and raised in uh, Orange, Texas, um, hometown of uh, Earl Thomas. So, you know, uh, the uh, Legion of Boom, Seattle Seahawks and, you know, um, Friday Night Lights for us, high school football um, was a big thing. And for us, you know, I was, you know, grew up like, look, I'm five foot seven, 190 in high school. I was like, there's no way I can play football. But you know what? (laughs) I can uh, represent these athletes and uh, really try to give them an opportunity to uh, create not only, uh, you know, opportunities on the field, but also off the field to play as well. So I ended up going to law school. Um, I graduated from Thurgood Marshall School of Law in 2004 and got licensed as an attorney in the state of Texas in uh, 2007 and then got NFLPA certified in 2010. So it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, now I'm celebrating 11 years being NFLPA certified as an, as an advisor. And my business partner, uh, William Felix, uh, and I uh, both are from Orange, Texas. Um, and we, you know, we both had that vision, that passion to, you know, represent athletes, um, taking that step from college to the NFL. And it's just been a blessing, uh, you know, from the First year, you know, we have guys that, you know, we got on. Um, Craig Robertson um, played 11 years with the um, – well, he started out with Cleveland Browns. That's where, you know, we first negotiated his contract. But then he actually ended up, um, you know, in New Orleans. And I, I'm not sure he's not signed currently right now. But, um, you know, to know that we started a lot of NFL careers and, and see some of those guys thriving, it, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really interesting one. And I guess just to go on the back of what you were just saying there is one thing that fans don't really get to know too much about is when it comes to these kind of NFL contracts. So how has it changed over in recent years? Because we're actually talking about it to start the show, how Justin Fields has signed his four-year deal, which is kind of slotted with the NFL draft now. But there was a lot of kind of, I, I guess, turmoil when Roquan Smith was a rookie about different things that we're going to go into contracts. So how has it changed over the last 10 years? You know, it's actually changed in a positive way. Uh, one of the things that um, I came in, um, actually, this is my third CBA to be coming in under. Um, and, you know, at first, rookie contracts were getting pretty crazy. Um, I think the Sam Bradford contract was one that a lot of teams kind of looked at and said, wow, you know, you're coming in as a rookie, never taking a down in the NFL, and you're trying to, you're going to be paid more than many franchise quarterbacks. And so the NFL actually came in with the CBA in 2011, which was a result of the lockout. Um, tough year for me as an agent coming in during the lockout. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a lot of growing experience, um, learning, you know, um, in, in that regard. But what happened out of that is that now we have more structured slotted contracts and as a result of those structured slotted contracts you know it's you know players are still getting good compensation but it's based on being you know higher draft you know higher drafted players um but the contracts are not out of hand now the fifth year option which is um just for those first rounders that's something that is a you know kind of an incentive because you as you've probably seen 
you know, with Trubisky's um, option not being, uh, you know, I had to throw in your bears, you know, so with Trubisky's, uh, you know, fifth year option not being exercised. And, you know, of course, he became a free agent. Um, you know, you have to play up to get that fifth year. So um, and of course, the, the, the actual um, the new CBA that just was approved um, earlier uh, this year. Well, I, no, I, actually earlier uh, last year, but right before um, right before COVID really impacted a lot of things. Um, it just kind of solidified the fact that, you know, again, you want to reward the players that um, have the great four years as a first round draft pick. And, and now they have even more flexibility. So like a fields, he'll have a little more flexibility come his um, fifth year. So he can do a few more extra things out of there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a really interesting one. I guess in terms of now with the pre-draft process, Oh, we, did we still have, oh, we uh, may have lost them for a second. Um, but look, Anthony, I guess to, to go on the back of that, like, what what's your kind of opinion when it comes to the slotted kind of positions in the draft? And even like Corey was mentioning with that kind of fifth year option, we constantly talk about it in terms of teams wanting to trade back up into the end of the first round to kind of get that fifth year option. How important do you think that is for some of these rookies? I think it's vitally important when it comes to near the end of the end of the draft and round one. I find a lot of movement that goes in there, especially on QBs, especially on big, big important positions that that people want to take a shot at and have a go. See if they can sneak them in in, in the like the twenty late twenties, early thirties. Because we spoke about this in the draft night, there's not a lot of difference between the end of um, of the first round and the start of the second round in the draft. You look at Tevin Jenkins going to the Bears. He goes to the Bears at fifth in the in the second round, in the early part of the second round. But everyone was projecting him to go in the in 20 but if you realistically are being honest about it the draft at, at the first round to the second round at that level it's really tight from 1 to 15 it's a different conversation and that's why those those players go there and that's why there's so much contra- controversy in Chicago about Justin Fields dropping to 11 because that was seen seen as a slight or seen as something different and something strange so it is interesting to, to look at and again it's brilliant to have Corey on to see it from a from an agent perspective because I'd like to ask you Corey from, from one of the questions I'd like to have to you would be about just the, 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 the impact and you mentioned COVID the impact COVID has had to you in the draft world in both going to try and see new potential clients, but also then looking after your current clients in, in what is a, a strange position for them as well. I'm assuming the last 80 months has been something surreal for you in the in the agency world. You know, and that's a great question. Um, you know, COVID really impacted a lot of players in a bad way. I always kind of say the 2020 um, NFL draft class um, if you know, again, we're going to say PC, but they were screwed to say the least. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I had a number of kids. Um, it was so funny. Um, I was actually at a pro day. Um, it was at the University of Texas El Paso pro day on March 11th. And then on March 12th, this memo came from the NFL saying immediately we're shutting down all, all pro days. I mean, and there were literally some players that were actually you know, you know, some of my players that were actually ready to do their pro day um, that we, you know, you know, got great opportunities for. In fact, I had a small school player um, who the Bears were looking at. Um, it was a kid from Winona State, um, Nick Pridgen, and he's about six foot three, about 230 pound um, backer. But when you're coming from a small school, you know, one of the biggest things that an agent has is to be able to put a kid into a very good pro day. And with Winona State being in the state of Minnesota, we actually had arranged for him to be in the University of Minnesota Pro Day. 
which was going to be some great exposure for the kid. But unfortunately, uh, when COVID hit, um, you know, when everything stopped, that actually stopped all activity. So no pro days, no, no team visits, um, no private workouts. I mean, it really, you know, literally the NFL world just, just was on stop until the draft. And a lot of kids' dreams, um, you know, were never really, um, you know, given an opportunity to, um, to, to be maximized. Um, and there's a lot of players from the 2020 group that right now, um, you know, because they never had pro days, never had an opportunity um, that, you know, there, there were some gyms that we'll, we'll probably never know about. And it's kind of tough, you know. Yeah, that's a really tough one because I, I guess a lot of people don't really think about that because we always look at it as when it comes to that kind of undrafted free agency classes, who's going to be that gem that you weren't really thinking of, I, I guess, for, for you this year in terms of some of the guys. Because we saw a lot of players that went into the undrafted free agency that we probably expected to get drafted. What's that like as an agent? Because we always hear from the GMs how it's like a crazy period from the minute round seven is over to then once undrafted free agency because it's basically a rat race to get as many of the players signed as possible. And it is. Um, and actually, case in point would be our 2021 uh, quarterback, Felipe Franks, who participated in the Reese's Senior Bowl and was a highly touted prospect. He actually had an invite to the NFL scouting combine. Um, so what with Felipe, we of course, we were always anticipating that Felipe was going to get drafted. Uh, we were very shocked that um, he didn't get selected. But, you know, um, one of the things um, probably around round five, uh, we started getting calls, fielding calls. And, of course, the first call they'll say is, uh, well, we're not going to draft your guy, but we'd love to offer him a free agent deal. I'm like, well, there's two more rounds in the draft. Like, you have time. But these NFL teams don't see that. But um, what happened with Felipe, case in point, um, you know, we actually had a deal solidified with the Falcons um, right before the beginning of the seventh round. And all of us were praying. We were like, please, please, please have his name called. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it just didn't, didn't matriculate where he got drafted. Um, but we got him a nice um, contract with, with what's considered um, paragraph five guarantees and a pretty decent signing bonus based on being one of the higher upper tier um, priority free agents. Yeah, it was it was an interesting one because even here in Chicago, because we didn't really know what was going to happen, we expected the Bears to draft a quarterback. And look, we're all delighted with with Justin Fields. When when I look back to kind of looking at the draft and kind of looking at pre-draft, there was a lot of kind of beat reporters and Bears fans even saying that in one of those late rounds that Felipe Franks has won that to look out for for the Bears because, again, he has that athleticism and what you look for at the position. So we were kind of a little bit shocked that he went undrafted. And I was actually one that said that if that's the case, like bring him in as well because you need the more younger quarterbacks you have, the better. So how like how surprised or what what is it like when you expect your kind of client to get drafted and as the rounds go by? And a lot of people say that when it hits the seventh round, is it better for a rookie to actually get drafted in round seven or is it better so where they can actually choose where they go when it hits the undrafted free agency? You know, that's an outstanding question. You know, 
every kid, you know, from the time that they throw their first ball in Little League to, you know, playing um, junior high, high school, college football, every kid wants to get drafted. Um, now, are there better positions um, potentially if you do go undrafted? Yes. Um, because one of the things that we have an option to do with um, a number of the free agents is that if we have multiple offers for teams, we can actually look at depth charge, look at different uh, situations and see what may be the better fit. So what happened with, uh, with Felipe, for instance, um, Detroit had called um, and we had gotten a lot of um, communication from the quarterback coach, Mark Brunel, and also um, I think it was Tennessee and then also Atlanta. So we had three um, that were like was what was considered our big three. And so we looked at Detroit. Um, Detroit actually, you know, they weren't offering a lot of money. So the one thing we always kind of look at is that if anybody, maybe they don't have the signing bonus money, but maybe they can offer P5, which when I say P5, it means paragraph five guarantee. So what happens in the paragraph five guarantee is that, you know, base salary this year, minimum for a rookie is 660,000. So the more that you can get as what's considered a P5 guarantee, the higher likelihood a player is actually to be able to make an NFL roster or at minimum make a practice squad. So um, what happened with um, Detroit, they weren't offering a lot of P5. Um, and Tennessee, um, they were offering, you know, minimal P5 and, a, and kind of a small signing bonus. But, you know, the one thing with Atlanta, they kind of, you know, showed that they really wanted Felipe. They gave a considerable amount of money in P5 guarantees and a nice signing bonus. So it was you know, an easy situation, especially when you consider that you have an opportunity to work with a um, Matt Ryan and um, to be groomed because, you know, the situation with Matt Ryan, he probably has about two years left on his, you know, on his tenure, I would say, with the Atlanta, yeah, with the Atlanta Falcons. So in that situation, being able to um, have being able to have the opportunity to learn from a Matt Ryan and be groomed from a Matt Ryan is nothing more than a. Do we still got you, Corey? You mentioned Matt Ryan and he was gone. Yeah, look, I, he mentions Matt Ryan, and then we just have to. I guess one, one thing is about uh, the one thing that you can say though is uh, he doesn't have Julio anymore, so that's it. That's it. That's a big problem. Corey, can you can you hear us, man? Thank you. Yeah, we, we've lost me. Probably, we'll probably get him back in a few minutes. But there's there's a few interesting points there. And look, we'll we'll get Corey back for another ten minutes or so. Um. But it is an interesting one that he he does mention there about the undrafted free agent that a lot of people don't actually think because everybody assumes that it's whoever offers the most amount of money in the undrafted because that's what we see, that we see these guys where guys get like the, I think it was something like most teams have about 130000 that they're able to spend or even a little bit more. And you see one guy getting loads of that. And I think the Browns have been doing that pretty recently where they've, picked up a few kind of high profile undrafted free agent guys and have spent over a hundred K on them. Um, but I never really thought of it in that way that if you have 
certain guarantees in the contract, even if you actually are spending less overall, that it's probably a better situation for some of the players. It's also interesting to hear that um, Detroit were involved in a guy like Felipe Frank. So they're clearly not completely done at the quarterback position either. What a surprise. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot in that. I think what's really, what's really <laughs> good, good point, Chubbs. Welcome back, my man. Um, it's a good point. I think what's also interesting is that you, your question about the seventh rounder versus going to undrafted free agency, they can pick and choose. I think that's really, I think that's a really interesting point as well around the player themselves and what they want to do. Of course, everyone's dream is to hear their name or read their name on the on the ticker tape on draft night, but maybe it's not the best thing for them. Maybe it is going to the undrafted for agency player. Look at Sam Mustafer at the Bears, where we're talking about him as a potential centre starter this year. It, it's an interesting way where you're looking at it, and um, where you can see those kind of undrafted free agents and what they what they can offer. Corey, are you back with us? Yes, I, I'm back, but I. Yes, I'm back. Okay, all right. Brilliant. Yeah, I, so, I just have a quick, I just have a quick follow up on what you were saying. It was really interesting what you were talking about. When it comes to the stress levels, I was just thinking from from draft night and when Kieran said we were going to do the show on draft night. Just to give it an approximate, how many players would you be roughly looking after on draft night, um, over the three days? You know, um, in in previous times past, I had larger draft classes, but with Felipe, we really wanted to put together a team around him. So this draft class, we actually only had three players. We had Felipe Franks. We had our other quarterback, Colin Hill, um, who ended up, unfortunately, um, he had, he, he failed his physical, so he was unable to follow through on his contract with the Bengals. And then we had a running back, Corey Dauphine from the University of Tulane, who actually had an Achilles, um, and he's still recovering from that. So we're hoping to pretty much place him in camp. So um, the good thing with that is that we were able to really pretty yeah. much focus on Felipe. And um, just like you mentioned, it's a, you know, a lot of things going on on drafting yeah. and you know, and Felipe was, you know, going up and down because every time a quarterback's name was called and it's not Felipe, it's like, oh, you know, and it's tough, you know, because we're there with him and we're like, oh, wow, you know, and, you know, because we know the picks are coming in fast and furious, especially on day three, how yeah. fast things move. And, you know, you try to make sure your, your client's taking, you know, your client's good. The good thing is he had, um, Felipe had a lot of family around him. And, of course, we were there. And, you know, and then when, you know, we started fielding the calls from the Titans, fielding the calls from the Lions, and, of course, you know, eventually going with the Atlanta Falcons, you know, the mood definitely changed in a much better way. Yeah. So um, so we were able to really do some great things in that regard. And um, um, and then, you know, of course, we had the celebration. I, I'm sure you may have seen on um, the Instagram that, you know, we announced him as a Falcon and, you know, everybody came and cheered and hooray. So it was um, definitely an awesome um, experience. Um, anytime you give, you know, you get a kid that opportunity to be in this elite fraternity of the NFL, um, you know, it's just such an awesome feeling. And that's what um, we were able to do for Felipe as well as many. Oh. As well as many of our many of our other clients. I'm sorry, these dogs on air. These pods keep dropping. I apologize. You're fine, man. Corey, a follow-up follow follow on that as well is, is that must be the best part of the job. So you've been working with Felipe for quite some time, um, dealing with a lot, of, a lot of ups and downs, you said, over the three days. But then to get in that deal at the Atlanta Falcons and to get a deal that Financi is going to set him up for quite some time himself and give him that opportunity, as you said, that must be the, the absolute ultimate best part of the job 
So going from the ultimate high, or ultimate low, sorry, of maybe not getting drafted to this ultimate high of getting these three NFL teams contacting him and via, via yourself, it must be must be a pretty pretty big rush for for, for your from you from an old personal perspective as well. You know, and that's an awesome question. I mean, every time you know I get a guy um, you know that joins this elite fraternity from the time. My first client signed with the Los Angeles Rams. I had a defensive end from Stephen F. Austin to, you know, now Felipe, you know, 11 years later. You know, it's seeing the, the, the look on the kid's face, seeing the satisfaction to know they made it, you know, that's, that, that's, that's just an awesome opportunity. But also keeping in mind that once they sign that contract, that's when the grind actually begins because all they are is one of 90. They're not one of 53 yet. So they still have to put in that extra work. But I, we always have that mentality, you know, celebrate today, grind tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that kind of leads me to the, this next point is how different is it for you kind of working when the guys are kind of these potentially drafted players then you're looking after an NFL player to where you're dealing with all the kind of stresses of the league. So what's the difference for you as an agent when you go from all this kind of stress pre-draft going through the draft to now these guys have to put in the work and it's really up to them to see kind of what comes next? Well, the one thing that I, we always try to emphasize with any of our guys is be the first one in, be the last one out. You always hear that saying, but so many times – you know, a lot of players don't have that right mentality. Like if you're a rookie, you know, um, I've seen some of my players, you know, that we've had that were pretty much the the best of the best at their school. But they also have to realize they're not at the Alabamas. They're not at the Clemsons. They're, you know, at a smaller school. So being the best of the best there doesn't always equate to being the best of the best in the NFL. So you want to have that workmanlike mentality want to have that lunch pail mentality to make sure that, you know what, if coach wants you to play special teams, I want to be in all the special teams meetings. You know, whatever is necessary for me, you know, if I'm an offensive lineman, you know, and the coach says, hey, get some reps to tackle. Look, coach, get reps to tackle. And I'll be like, well, I'm a guard. That's that's what I do. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, because the more roles the and the things we always emphasize, the more you can do, on a roster, the harder it is for a team to release you. So, you know, being a swing tackle, swing guard, even being able to snap as an offensive lineman, that's instrumental. And, you know, those are the things that we really try to instill in our guys and to make sure that they're doing whatever it takes to make that NFL roster. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it is just so important. I guess one of the questions that, that I had, it because you said you've been doing this since, what, 2010, 2011 now. So, what's what's one of the kind of main goals that you would have over the next kind of five to ten years now you look kind of going forward what's one thing that you want to kind of improve on maybe in in terms of for you as an agent you know the one thing i always try to do is continue to build relationships with not only my scouts, but also make sure to cultivate relationships also with the bowl game directors. You know, we've built up, you know, through the relationship, um, through um, Felipe going to the senior bowl, we actually built up a great relationship with Jim Nagy. Uh, he's an outstanding um, director for the senior bowl. And then of course we have the new um, shrine game director, Eric Galco, who was just named another outstanding evaluator, keen evaluator of talent. Um, so, the one thing as an agent for us, as we sharpen our tools in our toolbox, 
we want to make sure we cultivate relationships with our scouts. And of course, this year was a little tough because this was the first year that we didn't actually have an NFL combine. You know, and a lot of times at the NFL combine, you know, agents take scouts out to eat and they, you know, they really start talking up their clients at that time. Um, so that was something that was really missing from us. Um, and, you know, the one thing that we've seen throughout these 11 years is just the maturation also of the of the scouts that we worked with, like case in point. Um, I met Chris Ballard, um, who's now the Indianapolis Coast general manager, when he was an area scout with the Bears. Bears. <laughs> He and, should have been our GM. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, we've seen so many different um, scouts, you know, make that ascension, such as um, Matt Winston, one of our my close um, friends with the uh, Miami Dolphins. He was an area scout with the Dolphins. Now he's assistant director of college scouting. Um, I still remember um, meeting Ethan Waugh, who's director of college scouting with the um, Niners. And it was so funny. I, I actually met him at this small school in Kentucky, Campbellsville, Kentucky. He wanted to take a look at this at a receiver that I had. And he made a six hour drive to come look at this receiver from a very small school. And that that let me know that this guy was going places. And now you see he's director of college scouting. So, you know, to see that maturation and to and for us, you know, to keep building as as we're watching the scouts kind of develop because you know those area scouts that now become gms or directors of player personnel they're gonna be like oh wow you know what we want to bring osmg clients in because those are clients that we know are going to have high character high work ethic do whatever it takes to make you know make a team and that's the things we want to do as far as the the actual scouting side in regard to the player side you know the things kind of build themselves. You know, we did a really great um, job as far as I think in getting endorsements for Felipe use his persona. We got numerous trading deals with Panini Sage. Uh, we also got leaf and wildcard. Um, we got a mattresses. We, you know, we pretty much got a lot of things. So we also want to continue to build our marketing arm, but also realizing that the marketing arm is also geared by the player. You know, every, you know, a player from a small school is not going to be as marketable as a quarterback from the University of Arkansas. But we, we also want to continue to cultivate that marketing opportunities and create those off the field opportunities for our guys and just just continue just to study contracts. Um, you know, one of the things with me, I'm, I'm a contract geek. I mean, I, I went to law school, you know, I love looking at contracts and I saw the, I think, I, I think I almost remember the exact figure right now already of Justin Fields, like 18, eight, something, something, you know, uh, and yeah. fully guaranteed of, you know, and then of course with $11 million signing bonus. So I'm a contract geek. So I want to look at those contracts because when our client EJ speed, who's in his third year, comes in for uh, a renegotiation. I'm like, oh, okay. What are the linebackers in the market looking at? Or my safety, PJ Locke, you know, that's on the Denver Broncos. He's coming at the end of his second year, which as an undrafted free agent, you know, undrafted guys only sign three-year deals. So potentially if he has a great breakout year, now we're looking at a, you know, a new contract for PJ. So those are the kind of things that I want to do to build and continue to grow our agency. 
Yeah, PJ has a good uh, season. You're gonna have to talk to the Bears because we might need another tight or another safety beside Eddie Jackson soon. So that'll be interesting. We'll be definitely interested in that one. I think I think adding on from that, Corey, the big thing that I've got is my god man, you're a really passionate guy about this, and it's brilliant to see and it's brilliant to hear from that side of the market. So this is a really interesting conversation. I mean that. The other thing I want to say is Steve, from your side. Is, did you ever get to a situation where you've seen a prospect, whatever age they are, and, and you've been contacted by a scout and no one else has heard of them, but you've seen this guy and whatever position he is, you're suddenly like, oh my God, this is the dude. But you don't want to say it to anybody because you maybe have competitive agencies that might want to come in and take this guy. So how do you how do you do that? How do you, when you see someone, you go, okay, this guy is a Justin Fields for argument's sake and you don't want anyone else to know it. You want to get him in signed quickly, but you don't want to make a big deal about it in case he goes to other agencies. How would how do you over, how do you look at that? Great question, and actually, it's so funny that I had two clients. I want to give you examples of one of them was a bear. Two, um, I'm gonna go with um, first with my client EJ Speed. So EJ Speed came out of Division Two school called Tarleton State, um, and you know a lot of teams. You know there was a minor, you know, um, character concern and then really wasn't even a big issue um that we addressed and um so what happened with ej um i actually once we got everything squared away um with his his you know that character issue we were able to go ahead and get him locked into a pro day and ej keep in mind at at a d2 to get a six foot three 227 pound backer um is is pretty outstanding um and and blazing speed so and blazing explosiveness and so that was one of the ones that after we got the little small issue squared away what we wanted to do i was like look you know he's going on all these visits he he went to 16 visits he actually went to Green Bay, Cleveland, um, Dallas, Houston, uh, I'm trying to think of the other, uh, Kansas City. He was going, I mean, he was going visit crazy and people were starting to tweet. I was like, please, please, let's kind of keep it on the low. Let's not, <laughs> not put this out there too much because EJ, no combine invite, no Shrine game, no senior bowl, no NFL PA, no bowl at all. Um, and, you know, he ended up going the fifth round. You know, so, you know, that was such a blessing for us and for our agency to have that was our first draft pick, actually. And to, for, you know, for us to be able to, you know, have him as that hidden gem and now him going into his third year is just something spectacular. Um, another, you know, player, like I say, we got to go to the Bears now. Keep in mind, you know, and, and for me, I have no ill will towards a player, but I have uh, a, a client um, that I got into the league, Thomas Ives. Uh, he's actually going into his third year, um, yeah. came out of Colgate. And, you know, I just really liked this kid. You know, um, he didn't have a lot of stats that popped off the board, but, you know, he was tall, he was long, and you could tell on some of those catches that he was making, this kid can make big plays. And, uh, you know, I actually had a recruiting coordinator that kind of, um, said, you know what, Corey, you probably might want to look at this kid, Thomas Ives. And so I started looking at some of the film rounds, and I think he had one play that was like an ESPN top 100 play, at, you know, during that year. It was just some crazy one-handed catch. And I was like, you know what? I like this kid. So I signed him, and um, of course, um, I got him into the Navy Pro Day, and Thomas did the rest. I mean, he was, I think he had like a 37-inch vertical. 
He ran like a four five in the four five, maybe even four fours. Um, you know, I, and I'm here sitting thinking, I'm like, this is my next Adam Thielen, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, things you know, like you know, didn't kind of matriculate with him. And you know, of course, I um, signed him, you know, and got him signed to the Bears, and um, he parted ways with me at the end of his first year. You know, sometimes players, you know, d- they get jaded by other agents saying, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Well, at the end of the day, he's still in the same spot he was at the time I got him. So, but it's okay. It's okay. I mean, that's, that. like I say, I still have mad love for Thomas. Um, but, but yeah, you always want to keep those gems to yourself and try to keep them there. But, um, but again, like I say, I did all the leg works. So I made the other agent's job easy. He's, he's, he's been a bear. He'll stay a bear until the bears release him. So. <laughs> yeah, it's an it's an interesting one because there's really since last year, there's been a lot of people that have always been pretty high on Thomas Ives because they see that kind of athleticism, especially when Bears fans are able to go to training camp. He's one of those kind of you always have that kind of camp favorite that you want to make the team. And he has been one that people expect to kind of make a little bit of a step because we've seen it in previous seasons with the Bears. We had it with a couple of years ago with Roy Robertson Harris that started as the underrafted free agent gets a big contract now with Jacksonville. It's I know there's been videos from like the OTAs where there was a, a bomb by Justin Fields to Thomas Ives as well. So it's it's one of those that's it's an interesting one to kind of see. And it's it's really interesting because I don't think a lot of people get to hear a lot of the stories about these undrafted free agents. All we hear is kind of the day they get signed and then if they're making any plays in in training camp or if they're making any plays in the offseason so that's a that's a really interesting story is there anything in particular that kind of popped off other than just kind of like his speed or his athleticism in terms of even kind of his personality or the type of player or the type of person he is you know the thing, the thing with 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 Thomas what I noticed when I wanted to, when I when I really um, thought I wanted to sign him I noticed he was humble. You know, he seemed like he wanted, he was very hungry and he had that mentality. I want to run through a wall to make a team um, coming from a small school. You know, their playbook is like this. And then the NFL <laughs> playbooks like this, you know, so that's always been the maturation of a player coming from small schools. It's like, you know, he's been, he was a superstar at Colgate when he was healthy. Of course, you know, he had, some injury issues while he was at Colgate and, you know, that limited him somewhat, but it's always about just making that, that actual transition. And, you know, I think for me, I'm always very transparent with my guys and maybe too transparent, you know, to a T, you know, um, I, every time I was kind of pushing them to, to NFL teams, you know, teams weren't really trying to buy him or sign him, you know, off a of practice, off the practice squad, despite my efforts, you know, so, but I was showing them the feedback that, hey, you know, you know, Corey's really trying to work, trying to get an opportunity, you know, uh, or at least push the envelope to say, hey, Bears, if we got an offer from the Titans or we got an offer from the Lions, go ahead and activate them. You know, last two, you know, of course, that 20 and then into the 2019 season, remember, the Bears had a number of receivers that were down and we were like, look, just give the kid a shot. The season's pretty much shot. Give him a shot to take a look at him, see what you have in him and then. If you don't like them, then just let them go. You know, let them get one or two games under his belt. But they, we just couldn't get them to bite. And, of course, last year um, they didn't bite either. So we'll see what happens in year three for them. 
Yeah, were they ever close to at any point in activating them? Because like I said, I remember that first season when in training camp, every single fan that was there was like, watch out for Thomas Ives. This guy has the athleticism. This guy has the speed that we want to see. And uh, we, we, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks anyway in terms of the Bears wide receivers. There's a lot of guys there, but really after Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, there's not someone that you're saying, okay, this is a definite guy that's going to be playing week in, week out. So is it is that a good situation for a guy like Thomas Ice, where there is a lot of wide receivers and it'll come to whoever makes plays? Should, we always say as fans should make the team, but we know that contracts often dictate who makes the team and not actually performance. How, how annoying is that as an agent for a guy that is an undrafted guy where you can see that maybe somebody could – we we always say there was two particular players this per, in this season that made very dumb moves as Bears wide receivers. I, I I think everybody watching knows who we're talking about. But like when that happened, that's the perfect time for me where you give someone like that a chance because you want somebody there. Like we always say, coaches need to be able to trust their players. Mm-hmm. And kind of what you're talking about with Thomas, I think that would have been nice to be able to give somebody an opportunity to where they can earn your coach's trust when other wide receivers seem to have lost it at the time. Exactly. And that's a, that's a great point because the one thing that I look at with a Thomas Ives is that now you have a player that's going into his third year, but actually is still at a base rookie salary. So a lot of, you know, fans or, you know, just the casual fans may not realize that when you're on the practice squad for the first two years, your salary doesn't go up. So Thomas is going to be paid six hundred and sixty thousand this year just because he's a you know he doesn't have any credited seasons under his belt and again practice squad doesn't count as credit seasons so to be able to you know to me this year if above any year would be the year that Thomas would be able to make the roster you have a young quarterback in Justin Fields you have expiring contracts in Andy Dalton you know this is the time right now to see what you have in some of these young players and again you know to be able to get it at a very rookie minimum price um you know um I I also have another former client that's on the Bears Chris Lacey who's competing with Thomas um I negotiate his contract um with the Lions and of course, um, you know, things always, you know, like I say, situations happen. These players think, you know, it's never, it's never their fault. It's, it's always <laughs> my <laughs> fault. So, you know, um, but whenever he got released by the Lions last year, you know, he parted ways and, you know, and he had never been uh, without a team up until that point, but he, he was without a team for two weeks and it's like suddenly, Oh, like it's the end of the world. Like, oh, what what have y'all been doing? I mean, you know, so just crazy such situations. But for him to be able to compete with even a Lacey, Lacey does have one um, credited season under his belt. But you're, you know, the Bears have an opportunity to really get some young receivers that are minimal costs. I mean, like I said, second year salary for Lacey, or maybe even a base rookie salary for an Ives and really develop, you know, see what they have in them. So I think you'll see maybe one of those two guys, you know, maybe not at the, you know, the opening, um, you know, 53-man roster, but I think maybe towards the middle to, to, to the end of the uh, season, you may see one of them matriculate on a, on a 53 because, you know, um, I always kind of have that mentality either, you know, you know, I always say, Take, you know, take a dump or get off the pot. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and for three years, you know, Ives has been there. 
um, three years, you know, Lacey's played and he, you know, he actually has been active for a few games. You know, you got to see what you have in some of those guys. And, and if not, then, you know, 22 is coming right around the corner. So you want to make sure that you you have something that at, at the end of the day, if, if after three years, this guy hasn't made that, that, that step up, then, you know, it's time to move on. I think I think on that as well. I think from your job perspective, and again, I, I am fascinated by your job and fascinated how you go about doing it. But is that one of the most frustrating parts? Because it's not it's out of your control. So using the example you gave, and maybe not on Thomas Hayes, but another player you might have, where you can see that the coach is picking a player based on their contract or their own personal decisions that they have to make for their own career and their own job. And you're looking at your agents or your players ringing you on an hourly basis, going, "Why am I doing the team? Get me someone else. Why am I in the team?" And you're going. I, I can't physically put you into the team. From your job perspective, that must be one of the most... If, if, if the elation of draft night, and they get called on draft night, that's the elation part, the amazing part. Surely the most frustrating part is the part that that player you know will get into that team, which will therefore result in more contracts for the player and result in more PR and good stuff for you guys as well. But it's been blocked by a scenario that is out of your control and maybe not the best thing for the team per se. I agree. And and so case in point with the knives, you look at the fact that, you know, during that same year that Thomas Simon is a free agent, his first year, they drafted Ridley um, from the fifth in the fifth round. You know, and that, that was the guy who was getting all the reps, who was getting all the attention, who was, you know, when all the injuries were saying, oh, well, let's see what Ridley has. Let's see. And and I really don't think he's truly developed into really much more than what Thomas has. But but, you know, they wanted because they had more money vested in him as a fifth rounder. They had to at least see what they could, you know, get out of him. Um, same situation happened with um, with Chris, with Lacey over in Detroit, you know, and that sixth round, they they drafted um, the the player that's on the Eagles that um, is doing that did really well. I can't think of his kid's name. Um Gosh, it kind of escapes me, but he actually had a very, very good year with the Eagles last year. He kind of, and people were like, he came out of nowhere. Um, but he was competing um, with, you know, Lacey in Detroit, and he was a six-rounder. So, again, anytime teams draft a player, whether fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, head coaches, GMs, they want to defer to them because there's, again, more skin in the game more signing bonus money that's allocated to them and they'll just give them up more opportunities because they don't want to see the say to go to their owner and say i feel you know um you know miss mccleskey i mean this is you know this you know this pick was was trash you know and you know we've seen that you know with uh you know unfortunately i mean i'm not gonna say that trubisky was all bad but when you get a situation where a player is not exercised for the fifth year option, especially a first round draft pick, that's a failure on the behalf of the GM. You know, the, we're going to call a spade a spade. And that situation happened. So, you know, Pace has had a lot of, you know, tough failures. Um, but that's that's the way the draft process works, you know. May It may be the system. It may be just different things. I don't know if Trubisky will have any success in Buffalo, but, you know, but that's usually what dictates a lot of decisions. And as whenever I was talking to the football administration guy with the Bears, um, Joey Lane, who's going to be in, I think he's going to be a great future general manager, first off. Very good guy. 
Um, you know, and he really um, is a good, of course, money manager being the manager of the <laughs> salary cap. But, you know, he, he is a good evaluator of talent, too. And I kept telling Joe, I was like, you know, just, just give Thomas a chance. Give Thomas a chance. But, you know, a lot of decisions, like I say, are, made, are dictated by those draft picks. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the, the question where, I, where we'll finish this kind of interview up, because I find it really important, but it goes back to what you're talking about, the 2020 class. How big of an impact was not having preseason games for some of the undrafted free agents? Because that's often where you see somebody shine, and maybe they don't make the roster where they start off on, but then you see all these signings when the kind of cut-down days happen, and you see kind of some of these undrafted free agents, whether they make somebody else's 53-man roster or they make someone else's practice squad. How big of an impact was not having the preseason? Because I know a lot of NFL fans constantly say we don't need preseason games, but for a lot of these kids that are coming in, they're actually vital to be able to make a team. Exactly. As an agent, we need preseason. So, um, you know, I had a couple of um, case in points. So we had a 2020 guy, um, Sterling Johnson, who signed as an undrafted free agent with the New York Jets, came out of um, – he actually was a transfer from Clemson, but he finished out at Coastal Carolina. Um, he had the prototype 4-3-4 system. You know, he was six foot four, 290, had, you know, great testables, different things like that. Um, and not only so not only was it just the lack of the preseason, but one thing a lot of people also forget is that before the preseason, before training camp actually started, rosters were actually cut from 90 to 80 due to COVID because they didn't want to have as many players on the field. So that also had an impact because, you know, even before some of these kids even got a chance to even step on the practice facility, they're like, oh, we're getting released. Like, we have to cut down from 90 to 80. Like, but you haven't seen me, coach. Like, what, what, what's going on? But, but yes, the preseason is huge. And I'm glad this year we are going to have three preseason games. Um, so, of course, two teams, Cowboys and the Steelers, will have four because of the Hall of Fame game. But the value of the preseason for an undrafted rookie free agent is exponential. When you think about, like, case in point here with Felipe, it's going to be so fun watching um, the last preseason game because Felipe, well, well, we have both the um, Franks brothers as our clients, Jordan, who is a tight end for the Cleveland Browns, and then also Felipe, and both of them are going against each other in game three of the preseason. So that game three is where a lot of guys actually make 53-man rosters because – they're going to get an opportunity to, you know, because of course you're not going to, you're not going to even let Matt Ryan sniff the field in game three. Yeah. You're not going to let, you know, you're not going to let even Fields probably won't even take the take a snap probably in game three. I doubt it. Especially that's Nick Foles' game. That's Nick Foles. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or or they may even sign a quarterback off the street just to say, hey, don't throw some balls, <laughs> you know. But for those guys that are on the fringe of making a 53 man roster to be able to get that opportunity to really just show out and and flash whether it's on special teams whether it's that one running back that makes a 22 yard scamper or even like with thomas ives you know 2019 remember he had that outstanding catch against um tennessee titans it, you know it was all over twitter and social media and we were you know i was trying to use that to get him on a 53 didn't work but oh well <laughs> but at the end of the day you know the preseason is huge and i think 
every player should really take advantage of every snap that they get in the preseason because you know as we saw in 2020 not having it really um hindered a lot of guys um in getting opportunities yeah you just needed justin fields to be throwing that ball to thomas eyes and maybe you would have made a 53 man roster somewhere no doubt no doubt look before we let you go i i do want to kind of get your opinion because it's been a huge kind of topic here in in kind of around kind of chicago land where about justin fields i guess part of my question is were you surprised that he fell to 11? Because a lot of people were kind of surprised what was happening to him because you watched the college football season and he was exceptional. But then we start hearing like stories and he keeps kind of falling down. And then what do you think of him as a player projecting him to the NFL level? Well, you know, the tough part about the NFL is that these NFL teams find every reason not to draft players. And, for that reason, that's where a lot of actual GMs lose their jobs because instead of finding every reason to not draft a player, fall in love with a player to where you like being, you know, be a San Francisco and say, hey, I'm going to trade the form to go get Trey Lance. So was I surprised? Not really. You know, a lot of the stories came out about the epilepsy. And, and to me, there were things that were not related because if you saw him go toe to toe with yep. Trevor Lawrence, beat him and, and win, yeah, and while win, injured, <laughs> while injured, and and taking those just huge hits that he took and getting right back up, I saw a dog. I see that the Bears have a franchise quarterback, and those those ten teams that passed on him, they're gonna pay four years later. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's been great having you on, Corey. Some really, really good kind of conversation and stories. We'll definitely want to have you on again because this has been really enjoyable for us getting to kind of yeah. learn the other sides of things. Because like we said, as fans, we don't really get to hear kind of all the insights to this. We, we kind of go searching it out and it's really been good having you on. I guess you want to kind of tell people where they can kind of find kind of you guys on social media and stuff because, again, some of the stuff that you guys have put out, even you're mentioning – the video on Instagram, I think it was, for Felipe when he, you, he got announced in the Falcon. So do you want to just tell people where they can find you guys? Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, on Instagram, we are at OSMG LLC. Um, you can find us there. And then also on Twitter, we're at OSMG underscore LLC, I believe, or at OSMG LLC together. It's, you know, just look up OSMG, you'll find us. Um, um, and of course, you know, with us, you know, we're based in Houston, but we have clients from all over the U.S. We've even had players internationally that we've given opportunities to. So we're just we're just blessed to be in a position to help our young men achieve their dreams. And we're going to go the extra distance all the time. And, and it's been such a pleasure to be on on the show. I, I am excited about doing another show with you all, maybe closer to the end of training camp. We'll get on again. Yeah, that would be that'd be brilliant because even just to see how some of the guys are doing and kind of what you've seen or if you've heard any other things as kind of an agent in yourself. Yeah, Anthony, did yeah. you want to add on anything? Yeah, yeah Corey, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. It really has. Just everyone that's going to be watching the show, keep a, keep a look at them. For Philippe, 
the Falcons uniform as well, I'll be thinking of it. Um, when he becomes a big, massive superstar and you've led him to that scenario, make sure he comes on to the Irish Bear Show and has a chat to us when he's one of those superstars. I'll tell him not to forget us when he's uh, when he's uh, when he's getting into Super Bowls, playing against the Bears and probably losing, but still. Just <laughs> Falcon. No, make one. sure he comes on our show. Make sure he comes on our show. Man. Definitely, definitely. And, it, and I look forward to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Corey, so much, look, w- one word because we just got a, a final comment in here. Who starts week one, Dalton or Fields? Fields. Yes. That's, that's what we wanted to hear. Yes. Look, Corey, it's been great having you on. We'll definitely have you on again. Thanks for joining us today. Thank Cheers, you so Corey. much. You have a great day. You too. You too man. That was an excellent kind of time to be able to talk to Corey. Some really good insights because, look, when we reached out to him, we knew kind of some of the main topics that we wanted to ask, but we actually got so much more than what we expected. Like even the story – look, I think that one of the really good ones here is from Bruja where he he says he isn't representing Thomas Ives anymore, but the way he was talking about him was just pure class. And you can tell that with Corey is that – you see that he genuinely cares about these guys. And I guess that's where you, that's where you kind of get some of these kind of, I guess, smaller agencies, not kind of the kind of Mark Bartlesteins of the world where they basically represent every single player in, (laughs) in the NFL and NBA even as well. Like what, what did you get away from it? Just the way he kind of spoke about some of the guys he does represented or he does represent and has represented in the past. I think the best thing about that, about Corey, is that his pure passion that came across on the interview about what he does and his love for what he does. And I think I think it was definitely well said that it's the love for the clients. And his, as, as it was said, the, the, he's talking about Thomas Ives, who's, who's basically left him and um, cost him and his agency money. And still he's talking positively, almost wanting Thomas Ives to get, get put into the 53 roster now. And and it's it's brilliant to hear and, and his knowledge and experience and, and it, like it just, I love to ask him, does he have a day off? Because he seems lo- literally like this is 24-7. And it's fantastic. It, it, it's a really, really good interview. Really, really good guy. I think the, the interesting ones as well is to, is to look at how far these guys have to go back and what they have to work with. But also thinking on the fly. And one of the points he said at the very start was talking about the money side. And then he was able to work out really quickly that if a linebacker gets a new new contract, what does that mean for my guy here? What does that mean for my guy there? Where do I get the next guy and where does he fit in the roster? And then obviously I would say the same thing going the other way. So when we talked about A-Rob and the fact that A-Rob took the franchise tag at 80 million, it was because of all the other, the Galladay deals and all these other deals that were going on that weren't guaranteed for wide receivers. So take that right down the chain and you'll have the same conversation, I would assume, that Corey would have been having with his wide receiver crew going well okay well what's the what, what we're looking at here waiting for that one big massive deal to kick everything back up again it was just just a fascinating interview for him. really really good i really enjoyed that yeah absolutely it's it's always fascinating to hear some of those stories that we don't really get kind of we're not privy to because look uh, we're going to be talking that way more kind of bare stuff now because again we do want to kind of break down kind of what has gone on in the last week because there has been a a couple of big stories that have come out so guys do get your questions in because we're going to be here to interact with you guys for probably the next couple of minutes anyway um but just to kind of reflect on what we did here from here from Corey, is just the fact that you can tell just how stressful that COVID has (laughs) been on some of the agents that it has honestly made it very difficult for them to do their jobs. Look, like I said, these the big agencies will get will get players because they have all the contacts. They don't really need to do too much work. 
But for guys that put in a lot of work, that a lot of their clients are kind of these guys that probably be undrafted and try and make a team. I think it's vital for some of those guys. Look, I, I just think it. I just think he came across really, really well, and kind of how he represents his clients. And look, the one actually, the one thing that I wanted to to bring up because it's actually a big talking point. I think is what he spoke about with Joey Lane that he thinks that he's the potential for a, a GM in the future because a lot of people in Chicago kind of, I guess they criticize him because he's Ryan Pace's right hand man and anything it's kind of destruction by association yeah. so like and it's really interesting to hear someone who has actually dealt with joey and come across and say just how good he is and how great of an evaluator he is because we don't get to see that because he's we always see him as this kind of a, he's the finance guy he's the cap guy but the fact is that he's obviously a very good evaluator and someone that ryan pace really does kind of I guess confide in and obviously for a reason. Yeah, I think I think it's really important. I think if you look at some of the big moves everyone's talking about, I think everyone you look at straight away and you look at the negative conversations, you look at the Nick Foles deal last year or the Robert Quinn deal last year. But I remember when when maybe not with Foles, but definitely a Robert Quinn, I remember people being very excited about that sign. Yes, it was expensive, yes, it was high, but people look thinking that, that that could be something worthwhile. Same with Jimmy Graham, and Jimmy Graham worked out to be a decent, a decent pick last year, irrespective of what I think regarding the cap now. But the pressure levels that must be on someone like Joey is insane because of COVID, which reduced the, the cap and made everything more difficult for him to do, do his job. We've already heard the conversation on Akeem Hicks this week again, and yet and all, the reason for nothing that is purely because we don't have any cap space. So his job must be 24-7 going, okay, if we want to sign Moses, this is the, the reason why we have to do it. And, and I'd say... His job is difficult because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy go to him, oh, we really need Moses, we really need Moses, make it work, make it work. And he's like, okay, then we lose Akeem Hicks, which you want. And it, it, it's a really interesting set of things that you want to hear from him as well. I think, I think what Corey said about him being a really good GM, that makes sense because if you're pretty much a pseudo GM as it is, because when you look after the cap, that's pretty much a lot of the, the GM's, GM's role. And it, it's a really... It was a really good insight to a personal side of Joey as well, talking about that he cared and that he was that he was an interesting kind of person as well. More of them we have, the better in the kind of front office, really. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it's one of those guys that it was a privilege to kind of have him on and just be able to kind of talk to him about some of the things, like I said, we don't really get to hear about. Like, even this is a, a good comment here. It was interesting how he's talking that Ridley and Ives are basically in the same situation. Um I completely agree. I actually think Thomas Ives probably has a better shot at their making yeah. the roster than Ridley, mainly yeah. because look, at some point the fifth round draft pick needs to make the has to hit the field, and we're just not seeing Riley Ridley do that. And look, I look. I think everybody remembers Ridley for the college football championship when he scored a touchdown against Alabama and basically won the game for Georgia, <laughs> um, like. And people remember him, obviously, because he's Calvin Ridley's brother. And, there you go. And everybody was thinking it. But look, you look at him and he, it's it's just difficult. There's a reason he was a fifth-round pick. And people expect him to go earlier, I think, in the draft because of his name. But he's going into his third year and he hasn't done anything. He doesn't play special teams. He doesn't con contribute on the field. It's, it's very, very difficult. Look, this is the year that I think we're going to start to see some of these younger guys because – Maybe not in the first preseason game, but the second one, 
Fields will still play quite a bit in the second one. And I think that's where you'll kind of see some of these guys. Because, look, like Corey said, there's no way in hell Fields is playing in the third preseason game. That's Nick Foles all the way. That's where teams play their third or fourth string quarterback. Or like Corey says, they sign a guy like a week day. or two before <laughs> and he goes and plays there. Like it's, it's one of those, but it, it's just very, very interesting. Look, one thing that I, I wanted to bring up because most of the information I think that we got in this week was from the OTAs. Again, it was kind of, as Matt Nagy keeps saying, it's voluntary. It's kind of confusing considering the Packers one for Aaron Rodgers was a mandatory mini camp, but the Bears are still on their OTA. So it, it, it's a it's a little bit strange that Matt Nagy still does that. We've seen more of the defensive players come back. Um, so we saw Sean Gibson come back. We've seen Kendall Vildor was was out there. The one I'm still surprised about is that Jalen Johnson still isn't isn't there. There's got to be an injury there because that doesn't make any sense to me that why yep. he's not there. Um, but look, one thing obviously that we have to talk about is because every single reporter that was there, even though they're about a million miles away from what's actually happening, that Justin Fields had a very good day. Look, he had two fumble snaps happens when you're a rookie in mini camp or OTAs because you have to get used to the center. But then you see that even Matt Nagy was saying how good Justin Fields was. And then we also hear that Andy Dalton threw three picks against basically a backup defense. So I think that's a really interesting, it's going to be an interesting battle because look right now it's not really a battle, but once training camp hits and, there is proper 11 on 11 and we have our full defense there. If Justin Fields is excelling and Andy Dalton's making mistakes, it's going to become very, very clear. And look, it was, I know there's some rumors that are out there that there will be open practices for Bears fans to go and see. I hope the Bears or the Bears allow fans to actually take their own videos because I know before they stopped people doing that. So I hope that they do it because look, we need to see more of Justin Fields. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I also think I also think there's gotta be ups and downs across this as, as before we get to week one. Of course there is. But but what people keep forgetting and it's something that we've always spoken about is that this isn't a unique situation. This isn't Kansas City with Mahomes. This there really isn't. This is Dalton learning the playbook as well as Justin Fields is because they've both never had a snap for Chicago Bears in the NFL. Yes, Dalton's played quite a few games for other teams, but they've never done that. And I just every single thing about Justin Fields that I'm hearing, even Darnell Mooney's comment about it was sweet in the air as it came through. Just it, it makes it it makes it much more difficult as the weeks go by to not see this as not just a contest, but that it's going to be a week one starter for Justin Fields. Now I'm not there. I, I wish I was, but I, I sorry, I wish I was. I wish I was guaranteed. I am all in. I'd love Justin Fields to start one. I just don't think Nagy's going to do that yet. But there may become a scenario when everyone's back, when everyone's on the field. And he's getting Mac rushing him when he's getting Quinn rushing him, properly rushing him. And and suddenly he's still making those plays and Dalton isn't there. He's checking down or whatever. I think it's going to get soon to a point that it's going to become more obvious. The other one, and this is the one I think you said about the fans going into, into, the, into the arena to watch it, will be what their reaction will be to Dalton's showing. What the reaction <laughs> feels from. Because the second Andy Dalton does an does a interception, it'll become potentially dangerous, toxic-wise, because they'll just go ballistic. Fields does one ask, okay, it's Justin, he's fine. It was the 
receiver's fault, whatever. I think it'll just be very interesting what that does. I'm with you. I think the Bears yet again, and we spoke this a couple of weeks ago, Bears yet again have made a bit of a balls of, of trying to trying to let the media hear from the players or let the media hear from anybody. And I just think it's stupid. I think it's moronic. The one time they've got a, all the fan base behind them and they're just wanting desperately to be miles away back there. So don't look at anything. I don't know why that is. I don't know why they would not want to show their draft class, especially the quality of draft class that they got. I'm surprised they don't want to show these, these guys off. Um, and it doesn't seem to make sense to me. But look, that's Chicago Bears at the moment. Yeah, it, it pisses me off because I, I was listening to the podcast version of the What on Sylvie show from yesterday, today. And I, I just kind of, just before we were getting ready to go on the podcast here, I heard Sylvie talk about how he got, he did all the kind of correct channels to go and join that Zoom meeting where all the reporters asked the questions. He was there five, six minutes early, had his kind of virtual hand up the whole time. At one point in time, somebody else basically put it back down and then they eventually just didn't answer his question. And I think whoever was the head of the media relations there made some like sly comments at the end as well. Um, I, I just thought that's really bad for him. You have a guy that a lot of your fans listen to on a yeah. daily basis who has spent his own time during the day to go and... <laughs> to go and just uh, just to be able to ask one question and the question was just to ask Matt Nagy if he has guaranteed Andy Dalton the week one starter position they've offered they've tried to get him on the show and look again I know Matt Nagy has done other shows in Chicago but like you're at a point of like, this is a big market team and they need to start acting like one like I keep looking at other teams and other media members that I follow on on Twitter, and I'm seeing videos from training camp. I'm seeing or the OTAs, and there's no kind of restrictions on it. The guys are right there. You can see exactly what's going on. I think I don't know if it was the Packers or if it was a different team, but they literally said who was lining up at right tackle, left tackle, all that. Like, am I if a Bears media reporter did that, they would be suspended from going to a zoom conference probably it's it's one of those it's it's very very ridiculous kind of what they have especially considering they're not really releasing any content for bears fans anyway like it, it's a it's actually it's a shambles and it, it just kind of annoys me more and more every single kind of example like look the bears can be good when they want to be and i, I want to keep with kind of the topic of, of Sylvie because I think he it was a really important one that he was trying to get on and kind of speak for the Bears fan base but that last year's draft was when he got diagnosed with cancer and Matt Nagy called him and they went in on on the show everything like that and that's really really good but then like do the kind of courtesy thing and then come on come on the show when they're asking you to come on like personally i don't know if you agree with me but i feel like that's what a head coach of any team in chicago whether it's the blackhawks the bulls they should be doing that they especially when it's the off season look i get it when it's it's really busy during the season but when it's in the off season you need to be able to be out there for your fans because they want to know more because they don't get to see it during the season we see the games we don't really care we don't, i don't need to hear from ryan pace matt Nagy all the time look after a game, yeah, absolutely. You want to see what went right, what went wrong. 
but I don't need to see them go on like radio shows or anything. But when it's the off season, we actually don't get a lot of Bears content. That's when we want it. And the fact that they're not supplying that to their fans, for me, it's a bit of a joke. Yeah, it's it's it is pathetic. But it's also I don't understand it. Because okay, let's 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 do a hypothetical here. Let's say they didn't do well in the draft. Let's say they didn't get Justin Fields, they didn't get Jenkins, and they ended up with something that was considered horrendous by all bears. Who whoever the Packers pick. Pretty much, yeah. Jordan Love they would have drawn might have, might have traded for him. I don't know. Who knows? That would have been hilarious. But anyway, what but then you kind of go, okay, you're a bit of a baby, but you gotta go out and sell your draft. They don't have to sell this draft. Everyone's behind them. This is this is all they need to do is go out there and go, yeah, we have a lot of blocks in place and we, we're going to build on this. We're going to do better. And also, the people of Chicago are so desperate to get behind this team. And then you have this shit. And there's no other word you can use. It. The, the absolute poor way it's been handled and it's and I think Chubbs actually said it before a couple of couple of weeks back he mentioned how that just people just don't seem to want to want to kind of engage with, with what they're trying to do and, and it's their own content and it's their own conversations and it's so obvious that it's filtered right down look I think that's a very valid question have you promised Andy Dalton um, a game one starter it's a valid question if you have then you come out and say you have if you haven't come out and say you haven't the fans will accept, won't accept, but they'll, at least they'll get that content from it. By not even getting to answer that question and acting a little bit stupid like a baby, you've now created a problem where we don't know. So we're going to make stuff up. So it's going to be all over the press now that we think this and I think that and maybe about this and maybe this guy doesn't like that guy. And just come out and get in front of the story. Just just get in front of what is. And again, I, I reiterate, because the fans are, are actually in one unified pod, kind of pod. For once. Information. Yeah. So we're not sitting here going, it's it's Foles or Trubisky. Oh, which one are you? Who do you support? We're not sitting here going, what's the name of our of our, of our kind of O line again? Lachibius what? We're not even looking at that. We're looking at genuine quality that we as Chicago fans are desperate to get and see. And, it's, and I'm not even I'm not even talking about one on one interviews. I'm talking about scenarios that even little kind of snippets of, of video clips and stuff that that are just gonna just gonna tip people's imagination. Even following Jenkins around. The, the, the whole unit like that's little things like that getting open and honest questions that can be asked by anybody and instead we have this kind of like no you can't ask that question I'm going to take your hand down I'm going to make a snide comment and I'm going to see you later that is all his followers all the followers of that show are now looking at that going that just is wrong I'm so glad that he said it on the air because yeah. it's something that needs to be put up and I think guys like Sylvie, like Tom Waddle, like pr- pretty much anybody in the media that has a pretty decent following needs to actually start kind of talking about this because I think it's gotten a bit too far now where the Bears feel like they can do whatever they want. Like they're going to try and suppress the media now where they're sending them really far away. They're all there. Like why can't Matt Nagy do his press conference outside and have the media members there? Why does it have to be on Zoom? All the coaches are vaccinated. So it, even if he says, look, any media members that are vaccinated and can like prove that they're vaccinated should be able to be there for the outside interview. And it's, that's the way I think of it. Look, this, this comment really, I, really was important, I think. Um, and it's actually what I felt very similarly. So I don't know about you guys, but when we drafted Fields, I felt just like we got another Derek Rose, hopefully without the injuries. It's a, it's a really good story because, look, it's not going to be the same for guys 
that have kind of lived on the south side of Chicago all their lives because Derek Rose is one of them. Justin Fields isn't that. But what Justin Fields is, he's, he, he brings that instant excitement, which is exactly what Derrick Rose did. Derrick Rose, when he was with the Bulls, was something to watch every single game. And it was like, he was one of those, it's, the, uh, it's like the biggest heartbreaking story when you kind of go back and kind of watch it. I, I've, I was recently doing that after kind of seeing him play for the Knicks because I hate the Knicks. But kind of seeing his downfall and then seeing him do well it's that one of those few players and look justin fields i've always said that he's one of i've been a fan of justin fields for a while in college and just the fact that he's kind of come to the team it, it, it's still unbelievable we, we like look at everything that's there you hear what some of the players are saying like darnell mooney saying one of the balls that he threw darnell mooney had like a smile on his face mid catch it's it's so it's so it's so interesting to see how some of these players are reacting to a rookie quarterback. And they all have the same thing that he's there for football. He knows how to lead. He's not the one that's like, he's not trying to force himself in. Cause he knows he's a rookie. He knows where he's at, but it seems like it's only going to be a matter of time before he's the leader on this team, because you're starting to hear snippets and we're only at the OTAs. Like when we're at training camp and the guys are with each other every single day, it's, it's going to be a really interesting story to follow. And look, I think even though a lot of us expect Justin Fields not to play in week one, it's probably one of the more exciting kind of lead up to a bear season in quite a while because the first time in God knows how long that you can actually look at the future at the quarterback position and be like, we're pretty much sure. And one thing I actually wanted to bring up from what Corey said is Corey did mention the fact that he thinks that Justin Fields could be a franchise quarterback for the Bears. Like, yeah, I don't. It's, I don't even think that's a question for me. I actually don't. I think. I think now I'm looking at it, and and it's mad, isn't it? Because when we started this show, I was asked. You asked me the question on the first episode. What am I looking forward to in the next season? And I went nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean Desai and seeing how he gets on. I think that was roughly my my answer to it. Yeah. And, and that was just after Dalton signed. And now post draft, I'm looking, going, oh, we've leaders everywhere. We've Montgomery in the runner room. We've got um, let's see, let's get a robbery signed. If we don't, we've still got Mooney. You know, me and Daz Newsome and the love I have for that kid. You've got scenarios with with Fields at, at, at um, quarterback. You've got Jenkins now on the Olin. Even just keep going. And you got Roquan Smith as a leader in that defense. And what what will Jalen Johnson do in year two? And suddenly there's loads of these young guys all over the field that that has got me excited about the Bears again. Instead of me going, look, let's hope we beat the Packers. And talking about them, no Aaron again. What could possibly go wrong up there? It's fantastic. So the more this happens, the more excitement that comes in Chicago, the more these guys go in. And the Derrick Rose one is a fantastic comparison because it's it's exactly where the Bulls were really when Derrick Rose came in. There was that that kind of meh, what was going to happen with the Chicago Bulls and people weren't really talking about them that much. Now you've got the scenario with the Chicago Bears and people are looking at fields and they're going, yeah, Bears could be back here, but not only back, they could be back with something they've never had before. Now, again, that's unbelievable pressure on a kid in in, in week one or going into his first season. But I say again, to anyone that's watching this for the first time, go back and watch Justin Fields' first interview as a Chicago Bear. Go and watch that interview. Close your eyes, don't listen to who the person is, and imagine, is that guy a rookie? And he's not. Why isn't he a rookie? Because realistically, he's been in a professional program for the last two seasons. 
And he's, he's the one that's been driving that scenario within, within that organization, within that club or that college. And he's been getting people onto the field to play games. And it's cost him. It's cost him money and it's cost him draft capital while he's ended up at number 11. And this is the guy you want leading your team. This is the guy you want in Chicago. He fits Chicago. I know he's not from Chicago. I really appreciate that. But he fits the city. He fits this aura about him. And I think there was a question on one of the shows. Is Justin Fields now the number one name in sports in Chicago without having a snap of the ball? And they actually had a genuine conversation about that. For about 15 minutes. The yeah, it's... That, no, that's a, but that's, the, that's where we get to. That's actually an interesting one because that's one of the things that we actually are going to... I do want to kind of bring that up, and I think the best one is we'll probably talk about it in our fan zone show, which we should have next Saturday for you guys. Um, but I guess for anybody that is that is listening, because it's one thing that I've always I've actually been thinking about over the last like three or four weeks is that if Justin Fields is the player we expect, is he the face of Chicago sports? Because we we can talk about it now. The Bulls don't really have anybody. They have Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic, but none of them are going to have these big-name stars that are going to light the world alight. The Cubs are losing a lot of their players this year, probably, in terms of Chris Bryan, Anthony Rizzo, possibly comes back, Javier Baez. Look, you have the White Sox, where you have Tim Anderson that's that's there. You have Eloy that will eventually come back. And there's actually a, there's a couple of good players there that you can kind of think of. Blackhawks, you're looking at kind of Patrick Kane because Jonathan Taves have been out. <laughs> but look, Chicago is a Bears town. Yeah. Like that's that's the that's the difference. And like I think who was it? I think it was Caitlin when she was on. Basically, she was saying, Well, Justin Fields doesn't even have to be what we all think. He just has to be above average and he's the best quarterback the Bears have had in a long time. So it actually shows quite a lot there. I think it's it's definitely one that uh, it's going to be an interesting storyline to be able to watch. Absolutely. Um, this is an interesting comment as well. Look, I, I think, I think we'll kind of finish on this one where it says we have the Rams defense week one. Let's see what we have in our rookies out of the gate. I completely agree. Let's see what they 100%. got. Let's see 100%. what Tevin Jenkins has. Let's see what Justin Fields have. If they don't have a good game, who cares? You move on to the next week. And that's the way they need to treat this. And I think the one thing that's that's really important, and this is the one, and it goes back to actually what Peggy said in our show, and it's stuck in my head consistently overhead, is Matt Nagy is on the hot seat. I really think that my, my opinion has changed. I don't think Roy Pace, I think Matt Nagy is. Because I think Matt Nagy is sitting there and he's now got his QB. And now he's got a running back room that I think is actually going to potentially give us something else in another, another dimension. He's got a O-line that he is molding himself. So he's got rid of Charles, I know, and he's created this other O-line that he's got there. Whether we get Moses in or whether we don't, it's still a decent O-line for what he's trying to do. We can run the ball. We've got, we've got threats down the field. Cole Komet is becoming a threat from the tight end position, both blocking and receiving. And I just think the excitement going into the Rams game is off the charts. And I just want them to have a pop. And this season, for me, is all about the Bears having a go and not being conservative. I do not want to see on third and nine when we're defending. I want us to, I want us to give everything. And if it means we get done over the top, so be it. That's fine. I, I get, I, I'll accept that. I'll accept us losing games where we've given it absolutely everything. I won't accept a scenario where we do a check down with Dalton to go four yards to then to then kick it down the field because we didn't trust ourselves to go and try with our wide receivers or to try some sort of play. That's what I'm looking forward to in, in this season. And it's again, what we said a minute ago is compare that to when we started the show, our first ever episode. 
where we are now. And it's it's just, it's so, I'm, I wish it was week one now. I really do. I really am looking forward to getting back and seeing Chicago Bears, which I didn't think I was going to say when we started the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely one. Look, we went, to, we went for a little bit of a longer show today because, again, we only had the one show this week because, again, I think it's just schedule has been crazy busy for both of us this week. But, look, we will have at least kind of two or three shows next week. Next Wednesday, we will have Adam Rank on the show. So that one is that one's confirmed. So that one will be, I think it's at 10.45 Irish time. So uh, what's, what's that? So, yeah, about five. Yeah, four or five o'clock Chicago time. So make sure that you stick with us there. We will, we may have a show on the Thursday as well. And then we will come back with the Fan Zone show because, look, it's it's a great way to kind of get just those talking bears and getting everybody involved in it. Look, everybody that's in the chat, make sure that you do kind of stick with us. Make sure you share the show as well because it's it's been really good kind of getting to have your questions coming in. One of There's been a really interesting quote that I saw today, Anthony, and it's a good one to kind of – finish it up and it came from the UFC fighter Israel Adesanya because I think he, he must be kind of big on on YouTube as well I think he probably does something there but he's talking about how you'll oh, you'll get 100 views way quicker than you'll get 100 likes because not everybody that will watch will possibly like. agree but also they're not, not everybody that watches that will support you so make sure if you like everything that we've that we've done so far, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure that you do subscribe, share with everybody out there because look, the more people in there, the more kind of content we can get for you guys. So make sure that you do subscribe. We, I think we're at something like 250 subscribers now. So that's been, it's been really, really good and really, really positive. And look, some of you guys that are in the comments at the moment, you guys have kind of been in there for a lot of our shows and we really do appreciate it because... <laughs> a lot of the comments they're they're really good especially for kind of shows like this where we do get to just kind of talk just anthony and myself it's good to have you guys kind of adding in your comments as well because it's good to get the feel of other people because our opinions aren't always going to be the same as everybody out there so it's good to kind of have you guys come in and, and talk about it as well like i said we will be back next wednesday with adam rank again we will definitely be having the fan zone show next Saturday. So do make sure you stick with us, make sure you do subscribe again. This will be available on audio platforms as well. So go over to Apple and um, podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, anchor. They're kind of the main audio and um, platforms that we go on to make sure you do give us a follow over on Twitter. That's just that Irish bear show. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the same handle as well. Make sure that you follow Anthony. I don't think that's your Twitter handle, Anthony, is it? No, Cork City Bears fan, I think. Ah, what am I, Cork City Bears something? I don't he's know. Either, he's either, I always get it confused. Bears, when it's down. Bears Cork. That's, what that's I it, at Bears Cork. So make sure, make sure you do follow Anthony over there as well because, look, as things ramp up, we will be putting out a, quite a lot of content and you do not want to miss it. So even if you are subscribed, make sure you do hit that notification button as well because that's really important. So you do not miss it because I know a couple of people have told us before that they've missed us going live. So make sure you do hit that notification button. Until next time, guys, make sure that you have a great week and make sure that you bear down and, look, just get behind the show, get behind the Chicago Bears. We do not need any negativity around our team at the moment because we're all on a high. We're on the Justin Fields cloud nine. So until next week, Bears fans, bear down. Bear down.